Welcome to the After Chat. I'm Michael. I'm Ellis. And today we are going to be looking at some parables of Jesus. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Welcome to the After Chat. Real questions. Real talk. Real life. All right, so we're going to be looking at some parables here in a second. We're going to unpack all those, but I love this question here to kind of get us ready for some of these. So what's something that not many people know about your personality? That I'm an introvert. <laughs> I think when you do things like this on a regular basis, yeah. people are like, oh, he's an extrovert. Yeah, you know, nope, my people battery is pretty small and runs out pretty fast so same yeah. that, that's definitely one one for me as well a lot of people you know they're like there's no way i was like no like after two or three hours of being around the around folks mm -hmm. i'm done <laughs> like i'm done and if you if you really pay attention to me like whenever i'm out like in a public setting my conversations might last a lot longer, but as in the beginning of the evening, but as it goes on, my answers and all of my sentences get much more shorter. And by the end, I'm a, I'm at one and two. I don't think so, or or nope, or <laughs> yep, like that. I'm I'm done. Yeah, like I'm done. Sundays, I'm I need that decompression time, that, and it has to. Uh, like two or three hours after Sunday, mm -hmm. like I'm finished. Yeah. I feel like I've gotten better at it over the years, but still every once in a while, my wife will look at me and be like, fix your face. Cause my, <laughs> my depleting people battery will show right here. And she's like, fix your face. We're not done here yet. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> fix your face. I'm stealing that one. Okay. Yeah. Like you can that. borrow it. Yeah. Go for it. <clears throat> um, oh, sorry. Go ahead. What's the weirdest habit you have when you're stressed? So I, my, I, I gesticulate a lot with my hands, but mm -hmm. whenever I do get stressed, like they pretty much come like right here and I start rubbing the palm of my hand with my thumb. Mm -hmm. Like that's whenever I'm like, okay, I don't really know what I'm, cause I am an introvert. Like I do, I, I feel socially anxious from time to time. And so like, if I don't like have a clear cut purpose or a role in an environment, like, I really don't know what to do. Yeah. Like, so, like, if I'm invited to a meeting or, or to something, like, if I can't see, like, my purpose there, like, I feel very out of place. Mm -hmm. And so, I typically, I, I get kind of quiet. I don't really say much because I, I just start watching the people in the room, gauging, like, the dynamics of things. But I my hands go to, like, this position right here. <laughs> and then I just start rubbing my palm with my thumb. Yeah. That's a dead giveaway for Hedrick is not feeling very comfortable. <laughs> <laughs> I mine's similar. I get just kind of fidgety. I'll do the like uh, the foot tapping thing. I'm you know. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. Um, or, Throw your foot up on the table. <laughs> yeah. and start tapping it. I did think about it. Perhaps I was like, how can I? Yeah. All right. Anyways, you know what I'm talking about. Or like uh, I often I feel like I don't know what to do with my hands. So. I'll, you know, stick them in and out of my pockets. Yes. I'll do this number. I'll like start scratching the back of my head, scratch my ear, like all those things. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm 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 curious to put that one in the Facebook group and see what people come up with. Yeah, see what they actually put. Um, favorite fable, like because we're gonna be looking at parables. Those are are fictitious stories to kind of elicit something. And so, what fables very much do the same thing. I'm gonna take a little bit of a different spin on this one. Okay, because I think my favorite fable 
is the game Fable. Have you played Fable? I have not. Oh, so it was it was a PC game when I played it in like, you know, the early 2000s probably. And it was like, you know, combined some like fairy tale elements kind mm-hmm. of um but it was like a it was like an RPG, a role player game. Yeah. Um so it was it was really cool. I don't know if it holds up now. I know for a fact people are still playing it like they've um uh, uh remastered it and all those things. So people are still playing it, but I mean it was awesome. Like it was legit back in the day. I've so. not played that one. I, I'm still. I'm looking to get to get into like the Jedi Survivor one from Star Wars that mm-hmm. came out a few years ago. But I'm still stuck on Red Dead Redemption two. Like that map is just massive, and there's so much detail to it. Like yeah. I'm I'm just a, a stuck on this game. Like it's just super fun. <laughs> um, my favorite fable. I don't have. I couldn't come up with one, but I do have two. One, the tortoise and the hare. Like mm-hmm. slow and steady wins the race. Like yep. everybody's kind of heard that one where you know the tortoise and the hare getting ready to race. The tortoise just takes off and is just booking it and then decides oh i've got so much time i'm so far ahead i'm going to take a nap like post up under a tree snoozes and then the tortoise just keeps on going slow and steady passes the tor- uh, passes the hare wins the race and then you know so slow and steady wins the race the other one would probably be the goose that laid the golden egg mm-hmm. the, so in this one like a farmer and his wife like they I don't. I think they're they're they just woke up one morning and their goose was laying a golden egg, and so and it would lay one every day, and so you know over time the he was just like man I wish it, I just had all the eggs I wish it was laying more than one, and so he kills the goose, cuts it open, hoping that it was just going to be filled with golden eggs, and found that it was just like a goose like none other. Mm-hmm. So like his greed like just made him just lose everything. Right. So I think. Those are the two that always come to mind whenever I think of like Aesop's fables. Yeah, like I used to read those to my kids whenever they were little. Yeah, I I think I had a book of of those growing up too. Maybe a couple of books. Anyways, um, so uh, we're talking about parables. Yep. And uh, we'll talk. We'll get into how Jesus used them as a as a way to communicate when he had an important message to send. Mm-hmm. When you have something important to communicate, what's your what's your go to strategy? What's your what's your method? I'm fairly direct. Um, <laughs> I, I, I used to. I didn't used to be that way. Like I used to try to just beat around the bush, hint at what I actually wanted to say, and then just hope the other person would somehow be able to to glean what I was trying to say in my in just some weird roundabout way. Mm-hmm. Or uh, so I just that's not going to work. Like that doesn't work for me. It's not. It's not fair to them for me just to beat around the bush and say all sorts of things other than what I want them what I want them to know yeah or what I'm trying to communicate and then just hope they either read my mind or figure it out <laughs> with the various clues I'm trying to give <laughs> um so no it's hey this is what I'm thinking this is what I'm feeling and then just direct not in a jerkish fashion but like just hey this is what I'm thinking this is what I'm feeling and this is what I need you to know yeah. so it's easier just to be direct. It saves a whole lot of time, anger, frustration, all the things. It's funny that you mentioned both of those because I think I kind of bounce back and forth between the two. But it's like a probably like an 80-20 split. The yeah. 80% is direct. The caveat here is it doesn't say anything about it being a good strategy. Yes. Just that like, it's the strategy. That is what I yeah. did, and that's where I learned does not work. Right. So the 80% is probably super direct. Um it can be a little bit like I'm 
walking in swinging a baseball bat sometimes <laughs> if I'm just being honest like uh, I will often um, process something with my wife and I'm like I'm just gonna go I'm just gonna go tell him and she's like what if you didn't what if you thought about how you said it for a minute before you just went and told him that might be a good idea so that's the 80 percent. the 20 percent is exactly what you were saying i just basically avoidance behavior because i don't yeah. really want to like say whatever it is i need to so i just you know uh, i'll i'll do it later i'll tell them but not really and then get mad when they haven't read my mind and don't know exactly <laughs> yes. what i'm saying yeah exactly so yep no, that, I've found that that just does not work. And I went a long time <laughs> with the beat around the bush and say all the things except for what I actually want somebody to know. Right. And I've also had to learn how to be direct. But to your point, like, watch your face or fix your face. <laughs> fix your face. <laughs> like, sometimes, like, I don't realize what my actual nonverbal cues are are saying. Mm -hmm. Like, so what I think I'm being, okay, I'm going to be very present, very in the moment, like, direct eye contact, all the things. And I'm saying, and in my mind, I'm saying things very calm and, and, <laughs> and, and you know, in a loving way. And I'm just trying to, like really figure whatever this thing at is or communicate whatever it is but on my face it looks like I'm about to strangle somebody <laughs> and and so um and I'm just like okay so what did you just hear well I heard the words you said but you delivered them in a very not cool way right. and I'm just like oh well my bad so yeah it, it's it's a trial and error thing. Yes. <laughs> um yeah. I have that struggle too because and I get really frustrated with this when somebody has something they need to communicate to me and they won't like i just hear about it from somebody else or whatever yes um and so i'm like why won't they just come talk to me and i i like to think i'm a fairly approachable guy but my wife keeps me in check she's gonna love this episode by the way <laughs> she keeps me in check she's like mm, you're you know fix your face you'd fix be more approachable <laughs> if it wasn't for your face there it is so full circle <laughs> There's only so little you can do with that. That's though. what I'm like, saying. My yeah. face is my face. Like, <laughs> I don't know what my face is doing. I can't see it. So, anyways. If I did, I would fix the thing. Like, soften your eyes. Well, what does that mean? What the heck? I've what does that mean? All right. Yeah. Someone in the chat will let us know. Yeah. All right. So, we're going to be looking... We each brought a parable to this. So yep. Jesus told told some parables, uh, but we got a... Uh, Pastor Rob Topher is going to set up what a parable is check this out. If you, in case you don't know, the parable was Jesus's preferred method of teaching, a way for him to use a fictitious story to illustrate a moral or a spiritual lesson. As I mentioned, he teaches three of them here, and the last one is probably the most famous of them all. So Rob set it up right there. Uh, Jesus often taught and answered questions with, with parables, which were just fictitious stories designed to... Uh, elaborate on or teach a spiritual truth and so in that message he went on to give uh, talk about the the prodigal son which is the one that we're going to look at now but that message that rob that pastor rob gave there is absolutely it, it's fantastic and i one of the reasons why we wanted to use that clip was to highlight that message yep. his story is is one that everybody should hear so i'm going to encourage we got the link uh, to that message in the show notes. I don't think we've ever like given a, like implored people to go and look at one of the messages, but this one I highly encourage everybody to look at. For sure. The prodigal son, this was in, or this is in Luke, um, what, is it 15? Yep. Yep, Luke 15, uh, starting at verse 11. So 
and this this is this we're gonna just read it. So just stick with us. Um, and he said, there was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. So this, we're just going to interject here for a moment. Yeah. That's basically that kid. Like, so the uh, give me the share of the property that's coming to me. So like, that's his inheritance in the future whenever his father dies. He's ba- That's basically your dead to me. Mm-hmm. Like, so if you're reading that, like in the cultural context of, of the people that are hearing that, like, that's what they're hearing. This younger son saying to his father, you're now dead to me. I want what's coming to me down the line and I'm out of here. Yep. Like that would, you're seeing a heartbroken father. Yeah. There. Take it out of the account. Yes. And, and yep. give it to me now <clears throat> and deuces. Yep. Um. So not many days later. The younger son gathered all he had and took a journey into a far country. And there <laughs> he squandered his property in reckless living. So this is just a young, rambunctious kid, not really thinking about, uh, well, kid, like a young man. Mm-hmm. Like, let's not like infantilize him. Like, this is a young man. Yeah. Took, his, took everything that his father gave him, everything that he had coming to him, all of the blessings that were going to be coming in the future, took them all in the moment. Squandered him. The youngest kid. Am I right? Yeah, I'm, just, I'm, just, I know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> it's always that one. Um, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose. Yeah, this kid's just getting, getting the business from all areas. So, and when he had spent everything, a severe famine arose in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he was longing to be fed with the pods that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. So, just continuing to look at the cultural context. Yep. Like, those those people, you know, the ancient Israelites, they didn't really do anything with, uh, with, with pigs or bovine or any of the things like that. He's kind of sank pretty low. Here. Yeah. Like, he's out there working with what's considered unclean animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, there, there's something also to be taken into account there. So he, we got a guy who basically said, dad, you're dead to me. I want everything that's coming to me later. And then he went and wasted it. Then a famine come. And so now he's hired himself out to, you know, a Gentile non-believer. And now he's out there working with pigs, wishing that he was actually having food that the pigs were getting fed with and nobody would give him anything. Yeah. I mean, that's like the lowest of the low right there like just anything to stop him from being hungry basically like whatever he could get his hands on he's after it yeah but when he came to himself he said how many of my father's hired servants have more than enough bread but i perish here with hunger i will arise and go to my father and i'll say to him father i've sinned against heaven and before you i am no longer worthy to be called your son treat me as one of your hired servants and he arose and came to his father but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven. Exactly what he said he was going to say. <laughs> um, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Bring quickly the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet and bring the fattened calf and kill it and let us eat and celebrate 
For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. So he just said, I'm going to, I got to repent. I need to turn away from what I'm doing. My father is good. He loves me. He cares for me. And if nothing else, like if I can just go and serve him and be as one of his servants, even if I'm not worthy, even though he doesn't feel worthy to be called his son anymore. Yeah. I think you might expect, like, when he goes back to his father, for the father to be, hmm, look at this. <laughs> well, 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 kind of deal. <laughs> like Michael Scott, by how the turntables <laughs> yeah. have turned. Yeah, but <laughs> the complete opposite. I mean, not only is he happy to see him, but runs to him, like runs yes. to greet him. So I think it's pretty awesome. And it also kind of reads like the father's waiting mm-hmm. and watching. Right, yeah. You know, like he, like, you know, it says... Um, here in and he arose and came to his father but while he was still a long way off his father saw him mm-hmm. like it, it kind of it brings that to mind to me right and then here in the last part now his older son remember it started out with a man that had you know man had two sons yep now his older son was in the field and as he came and drew near to the house he heard music and dancing and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, look, these many years I've served you and I never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, when this not son of brother. yours came. Yep. <laughs> not, not, not my brother. <laughs> when this son of yours... I imagine it with a finger point. Oh, yeah. yeah. 100%. <laughs> but when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this, your brother... He turned it back on him. Said, Whoop. "Remember, like a like a reverse back to you situation in Uno." Um, so you, uh, and he said to me, "So you are always with me, and all that mine is yours." It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost, and is found. I mean, there it's it's a short story. Yep. Couple questions that that always come to mind. Which son do you identify with and why? Mm. That's a great question. I think uh, I won't give the cop-out answer and say I could relate to both. There have been times in my life where I could relate to both, although that is true. I think probably the younger son. Um, you know, we've talked about mm-hmm. how I didn't grow up in church. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I, I've straight away from mm-hmm. the father. I, you know, took my inheritance and ran off and was living recklessly and did my own thing and all those things. Um, but uh, despite, you know, all of that, mm-hmm. when it was time for me to come home, the father was there waiting. Yes. He saw me coming and was waiting there with open arms and a robe and a ring and all those things. So I, if, picking out of the two, I would say the, the younger son. Very much so. Mm-hmm. Like whenever I first read this, whenever I was first a believer, you know, first came to Jesus, and I started like getting into the word and, and reading the Bible, like I was like, man, I see me in that. Mm-hmm. Like someone that just ran off, did all the things, squandered everything back, didn't feel worthy, yeah. you know, to, to come and call God Father. And, 
you know, and he was just like, no, like you, well, just like here, saw me coming mile away. And, but has there ever been a time where you've related to the older brother? Absolutely. Where yeah. you're just like, I've been doing this for a long, long time and I'm here <clears throat> and I'm serving, doing things. And have you ever felt like that kind of, oh, now we're celebrating this guy that kind of went out, did all the terrible things, and now we're welcoming him home and celebrating killing a calf and all the things? Yeah, I think I think that's I think that's human nature. I yes. think, you know, you can always look at somebody and be like, well, what did they do to deserve this? Yes. Like, they did this, this, and this wrong, and we're just going to act like none of that happened, you know? Yes. That, like, that kind of thing. Absolutely, yeah. So we can see where we are, but mm-hmm. I think one of the things that sometimes gets overlooked, and, and it really jumped out to me here when this one the older brother referred to him as your son mm-hmm. and then the father here like no that's your brother i don't think i've ever really that really jumped out to me in this particular reading yeah. so it kind of i think the next time i feel older brother kind of building up in me mm-hmm. like i mean if if it i'm sure it's happened to y'all too like we're we're just saying it like i mean real talk Mm-hmm. <laughs> just like <laughs> just like in the in the intro that's your brother yeah like that's how god views all of us and so i think that perspective i don't i don't think that's ever really leapt out to me before in a way that it is like now yeah i i'm noticing that it reads like the older brother believes that there's only enough favor that the father has for one at one, one or the other yes. one at a time so because the younger brother has favor that means I don't anymore. Yes. And what the father actually says is, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. Meaning, there's that, room for both. There's room for everybody. And that same grace, that same love, that same compassion, those same blessings, those same gifts, like, they were, they're were, they always there. Mm-hmm. Like, all's the son. Like, it, it, it kind of reads like you never asked. Yeah. Like, you want a goat? God bless. Go get a goat. Yeah. Like, do your thing. Like, mm-hmm. it reads like had he ever asked for it. Yeah. It's like we said in the uh, in the David episode, when or David part two, when Nathan goes to David and confronts him. And uh, God says through Nathan to David, I gave you all the kingdoms. I gave you, you know, this, this, and that. And, and if that wasn't enough, I, I would have given, given you more. Anything yep. that you would have asked mm-hmm. for. And, and that's very much here. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, we – I think this shows – I think sometimes we we really start looking into the brothers, but we forget like what this actually teaches us about God and how He views us. Yeah. Like I imagine, like we talked about in the at the when we first was at the top of this, like He basically was saying, "You're dead to me." Mm. Yeah. Like, but did God just did He bring him back with the <laughs> my how the turntables have turned yep. like all of you know or that or that kind of thing? Like, no. Like, God was like, hey, like, he's back. He's mm-hmm. found. And if you go back and you look at some of the other parables, like, that's the before this one. Like, that's kind of what he's talking about. Like, the lost being found. Yeah. We can always come home. Right. Like, and that's what, and that's very much what God is saying. What I think God is saying, and it, and it tells us about who he is. When we do go off, when we do go astray, when we do take our blessings or whatever gifts he's given us and squanders them. Like there was earthly consequences of that. Like he went out, he had to. Uh, he was clearly hungry. He was wishing he was eating the feed that the pigs were getting. So right. I'm sure he did a whole lot of things while he was gone. Like, and I'm, there's probably going to be consequences as a result of that. 
but God was like, come home. Yeah. Just happy that you're home. Yeah, I was thinking that too. It's The story ends off and we don't get the conversation that happens after the party. That's probably like, hey, we should probably talk about how this all went down. <laughs> but like in the moment where he returns home, the most important thing, the yeah. thing that's important in that moment is that he's home. He's home. Period. And any parent <clears throat> would could relate to that. But that also shows us how we should treat you know, those around us and, and our kids as well. I think we kind of talked about the main point of this. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's about welcoming them home. God's got enough grace and forgiveness and love for all of us. I think it's also, it allows us to put ourselves in both positions. Like, I mean, it, it, it a cop-out answer would just be, oh, I can relate to both. And then, <laughs> and, then, and then you just move on. But yeah. like delving into like the things that would cause you to feel that way. Like I, the older brother, kind of like what you mentioned, like if he's got it, then there's not going to be enough for me. Mm-hmm. And that's a very human thing. Absolutely. Like, I've been here doing the right thing forever, and nobody's ha- having a party for me, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. I think it allows us to put ourselves in both positions and then also gives us kind of a measuring stick about how we should treat others. Mm-hmm. Like, we, the older brother should have been happy that, not just that his father's son was home, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but that his brother was home. Right. And I think that really shows how we should relate to one another inside the church. Yeah, for sure. I think we have all been in one of these spots or the other at some point in time. And so because we have been in both spots, we should be able to relate to the other other spot. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. All right. So that's that's kind of just a short conversation on, on how the parables on that particular parable has has related to both of us but we want to hear what you guys have uh, what you guys think about those in in the comments and in the chat there and so ellis yeah what do you got got another one uh this one is uh from the book of matthew this is one of my favorite scriptures in the bible uh like not just parables scriptures Mm -hmm. period so uh matthew chapter 7 starting verse 24 Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell with a great crash. We got a little experiment for this one. We do. All right, let's set that up. Now, what's cool about the wise and foolish builders is like we can actually demonstrate this for realsies. And I've done this at what we have called Mega Camp upstairs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Every summer we do this. So I've actually done this with five and six-year-olds. So we're going to – we're actually going to do it right here for dramatic effect. Science. We've got got some sand – we got a little Christmas ornament house <laughs> <laughs> and a rock. So, all right, safety, safety first. first. There we go. Boom. All right. Never know what's going to happen. <laughs> might get crazy. I don't know. All, all right, right, Ellis, let's see it. Okay, so this house built on sand, rain and streams. Here we go. The calamities I've been, and the vexations I've and all the to things. to pour very slowly. Oh, gosh. I'm just Here goes nothing. And there it goes. Oh! Oh! And that's what happens when you're a foolish builder and you build your life on sand. With a great crash. Yes. There it goes. All right. All right. So now let's take the house, shake the sand out (laughs) of it here, as thus, and we'll set it on 
The Rock. Okay. All right. Ellis? Here we go. There we go. Look at that foundation. Still standing. Still standing. Still standing. All the vexations yep. and all the calamities and all the things. Can't knock it down. Can't be knocked down. There Won't be knocked down. Are we, are we still raining? Nope, still raining. Keep it going. Still standing. Can't be stopped. Won't stop. <laughs> <laughs> and that's a dramatic rendering of the wise and foolish builders. Science. It's all about safety first. Of course. <laughs> yep. <laughs> that right. was fun. That was fun. <laughs> okay. So, after our demonstration, so this parable is basically saying there are two kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Uh, those whose hearts uh, whose hearts are revealed in what they decide to, to make their foundation. What are they going to build their lives on? Mm-hmm. The parables, they're kind of divided into, you can kind of divide them into categories, right? Yep. So, this one is what we call an est... est Eschatological. I, thank you. Es, say it again. Eschatological. Eschatological. I knew I was going to butcher it. There you go. Michael came in clutch. <laughs> That's kind of one of the categories. Um, and those are the ones that kind of deal with death and the afterlife, heaven and hell, resurrection, things like that. Some of the other categories are like hearing, seeking, and growing, mm-hmm. loss and redemption, love and forgiveness, prayer. Um, and there are some that, you know, kind of in, are in a category of their own. But if you went through, you could divide them up like that. So I really like this uh, commentary that I found um, from a guy named John Chrysostom. There we go. John Chrysostom. He was an early church father who served as the Archbishop of Constantinople. And here's a little bit of what he said. By rain here and floods and winds, he is expressing metaphorically the calamities and afflictions that befall men, such as false accusations, plots, bereavements, deaths, loss of friends, vexations from strangers. Ooh. Have you ever been vexed? Wow. Fancy word. I don't I don't think so. <laughs> Just curious. <laughs> I'll have to ponder that one after we're done. All the ills in our life that anyone can mention, but to none of these, says he, does such a soul give way, and the cause is it is founded on the rock. He calls the steadfastness of his doctrine a rock, because in truth, his commands are stronger than any rock, setting one above all the waves of human affairs. So I think, first of all, I'm curious, what what do you think makes for a firm foundation versus one that'll crumble, kind of like we saw with the with the sand? Yeah, so whenever, I mean, I, I look at the word like Jesus says, whoever mm-hmm. builds, mm-hmm. you know, like, so it's not just enough, like you, you can hear things and not actually act on them or put them into practice. Mm-hmm. And I think what Jesus is getting at there is like, if, if you don't just hear what I'm saying, but if you actually do what I'm saying, if you actually live according to the principles that I'm outlining, that Jesus taught people to live their lives by, whenever things do come, plots, bereavements, deaths, loss, like anything that just the that we encounter just by nature of living in a fallen world with fallen people like you know and dealing with like struggles addictions sins vices like all of the things and then just trying to live in right relationships with people kind of like what we talked about with the prodigal mm-hmm. one like if you actually do what Jesus says like that's of the foundation that of your life like the foundation that that you should build your life on is is Jesus and what he taught us but you actually have to do it Mm-hmm. To have that foundation, yeah. Part of what I love about this one is that it's it's 
has a healthy measure of conviction in yes. there because it's not enough to just read or to just hear it in church or, uh, you know, whatever. You you have to find a way to put this in action. It's yes. not something you can just be like, yes, I'm going to build my life on Jesus. I believe in Jesus. Good. Full stop. <laughs> yep. Like, And then nothing happens after. <laughs> right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You have to, like, put the things in place. So what do you think if if there's somebody watching or listening to this who they're like, I want to do that, or I want to at least learn more about how I can do that. What's an action they can take to, to do that? There's a couple. Like, mm-hmm. But if I always say, like, a good first step is to actually start reading it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's one, like, actually start reading the Bible. Yeah. Like, not just take it for granted what someone else has told you or what you, or what, or what you think you know. Like, start, I don't know, start with the book of Mark or, or Matthew like read one gospel and then the rest of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. I think what what a lot of people find is like what they thought they knew they actually did, didn't they actually don't know mm-hmm. or what they thought they knew was kind of a skewed version of the truth itself. Mm-hmm. Nothing I've never been more convicted than whenever I'm actually spending time in the Bible. Like ooh, I'm not getting that right. You know, I think that's where the Holy Spirit speaks a lot to me. Mm-hmm. So just reading it and then trying to do the things. And then after that Find a group of people where you can actually talk about what you're reading together. Yeah. I So I would even – I agree. I would even yeah. take it a step further or maybe just switch out the word and say read it to interpret, not just to read it. Yes. I, I think – Well, I think that's – yeah, no, that's yeah. that's a good point. Like yeah. that, that's fair. Like because I think whenever you just try to re- – if you're just reading a book, that's a passive thing. Sure, yeah. But if you read it with the intention – of growing closer to God yeah. and having and having your life changed, that change that does change the way you approach the Bible itself. Yeah. I I think you know, it can be a little bit of an oversimplification to say just read it because we read things differently. Yes, if, if we're just being hundred percent honest, like we all read the terms and conditions, which means you just scroll down to the bottom or you can hit the button and go to the next screen. Okay, yeah. <laughs> if you if you do that, that's not putting it into practice. Yeah, but if you read it to interpret it. Um, that that is a step towards putting into action. I have a Bible over there. I'm not going to get up to get it because our chairs it's are hard. Yeah, wacky. it would. Yeah, you don't want to see that. Anyways, um, where I have like a bunch of notes in there. That's the Bible I had when I first started reading the Bible, mm-hmm. and I literally took the Bible and I had a notepad and I went verse by verse, and I was like, "What do I think this means?" Because um, that's how I wanted to break it down to try to really absorb it. And sometimes the answer was. I don't know. I have yes. pages in there where I wrote, I don't know, and went to the next one. Mm-hmm. But uh, as you go, you kind of get in that habit, and then you can even go revisit some of the ones where you said, I don't know, um, and or, they'll start to make more sense. Or just say, like, how do I actually apply this? Like, that's yep. where I like a good, I think a good study Bible yes. comes into play. And But also, whenever you read it, like, if you feel prompted by the Holy Spirit to do something, and, like, you should do it. Like one of the things I think I mentioned it here before, but like my summer of squashing beefs, Mm -hmm. like that started because I read in Matthew where Jesus said, you know, you'll be forgiven as much as you forgive others. And I knew that I needed to be forgiven a whole lot. So what did that mean for me? Like, what do you do with it? I had to have a whole lot of weird, awkward, sometimes just difficult conversations where I needed to make amends with people, apologize for people that, or apologize to people that I knew that I had wronged. Mm -hmm. And then like 
some in some cases, like I had to have com- I needed to have conversations where I told the person to their face, like I forgive you for this. And then sometimes it just meant like processing the things that they had done to me and then releasing it. Mm-hmm. Uh, or another one would be like where Jesus talked about serving the least of these. Like I was in prison and you came in and visited me. Yeah, I was hungry and you gave me food. Like that to me sparked a season where I spent like almost three years doing charitable things all over the county in central Virginia mm-hmm. because I knew that I, I felt like that was something that I needed to be doing. But whatever you're reading, it needs to be through the lens of what is God trying to teach me here that I need to work on and where and what areas do I need to grow in? Yeah, I think for me, like when I was starting out, it was as simple as I'm going to go to church to learn and grow closer to God. Because when like straight up, when I first started going, I was like, oh, it's a cool place where my friends are. (laughs) And that 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 could be it, you know, but I I think where things changed where. I kind of turned the corner and was like, I'm going to go to learn and absorb what they're saying and figure out how, how can this apply to my mm-hmm. life. So, But that way, to take it back to the parable, yeah. all of that is done to grow closer to God mm-hmm. and to become more secure in your faith. Yeah. Not to just go out and be doing, like, not to be seen at church, not just to be doing the charitable things, to be like, oh, look at me, this is awesome, like, I'm so amazing. Like, it's all because we're to love God and love others. Mm -hmm. So when we're reading Scripture, it should propel us to some sort of action, whether it's to work on ourselves in certain areas or to reflect God's loves to others. But through all of that, we grow in our faith, and we grow in our our, our foundation of faith in God so that way when things do come or we are tempted to go one way or the other, we're able to stand tall because we know who God is and we know who we are in relation to him. Yeah. And so that to me is like the foundation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I, I want to go back to the categories really quick yep. um, because I mentioned this is in the eschatological mm-hmm. category. I got it this time. Third time's a charm. These categories are not in the Bible. Um, these are made up by people. Mm-hmm. Like I, I've looked at a couple different sources and found them sorted this way. So, uh, you know, uh, take it for what it's worth, I guess. But I found it interesting that this one was in a category about death and the afterlife, heaven and hell, resurrection, things like that, because to me it reads as very much apply this to your life yes. right now. <laughs> like this is how this is how to live your daily life right now. But the way I kind of read it, I was I was trying to connect the dots basically. Mm-hmm. I was like how why why does this belong in this category. I think it's setting the foundation for your life here here on this side of heaven, but also uh, kind of building the path to yes. where you're going to go after. I'm just curious what do you, what no, do you think about I, that. No, I hadn't thought of it in those terms. Like I said that whenever whenever we got ready to do this, do this part of it. Yeah. But if you look at it in the terms of like life doesn't end here. Right. So where are you going to go like on the other side of death mm-hmm. is your house still going to be standing or is the calamity and the floods and the winds and the rain going to cause you it just cause it to just end in disaster and mm-hmm. and fall over and collapse if it's built on a foundation like you whenever death does come like you're still going to be standing tall you're going to be with God you're going to be living in his presence and if you don't your house is going to be 
knocked over and and in pieces. Yeah. And so like I do kind of see the connection now between the two. Well, I didn't think about it till just looking at it just now, but your house also is not just limited to you. Yes. Your house can endure beyond your time here. It could be whether it's your friends, your family, your kids, grandkids, whatever. Like you choosing to build your foundation on this could have an impact on the people yes. who come after you as well. Yes. So. All right. Cool. Well, there we go. That's that's the parable of, or that's the prodigal son, mm-hmm. and that's your house. Uh, what is that one actually called? The Wise, wise and Foolish, foolish Builders. Builders. Yeah. Where do you want to go? Like, where do we go from here? What do we do? Like, we've, we've read these things. <laughs> what do you do? This is where we usually have the clip. Now we're like, what do we do? Yeah. <laughs> we already did the clip. So I think, I think for me, it's about, it's about changing the way that, I, that you look at Jesus' stories. Yeah. You don't just blow through them. Mm-hmm. You actually take your time to see where you are in them and allow them to convict you and show you on how you need to grow. Like, I think for me, that's kind of where, like, after, after doing this episode, because I had never thought about the wise and foolish builders having, like, thinking about that in the terms of the afterlife as well. Like, mm-hmm. that was new for me. Yeah. And so I think that's, and I like, and I've never heard of, like, these types of categories for them. So mm-hmm. I think whenever I go and I look at them, you know, whenever I'm spending time in one of them, I think I'm going to see kind of where they fit and see if that changes the way that I look at those mm-hmm. and read them and then see what the potential impacts uh, or, uh, um, like kind of see what the potential impact could those would that have for me looking at them and reading them. Yeah. I think just about parables as a overall thing, it some of them like when I read them today, I still I'm still like I don't yeah. I don't get this. <laughs> I don't I don't know what this means. So I think it can be um they can be difficult waters to navigate. Mm. But when I when I'm feeling like that, when I'm reading one that doesn't quite make sense, I often fall back on out of all the ways Jesus could have communicated what he was trying to communicate. Out of all the ways that Jesus taught what he was trying to teach us, this is the way he chose to do it. And mm-hmm. so I, I, that makes it feel like there's a weight and a gravitas yes. to it, and I should uh, approach it with that same, that same mindset. And to kind of even go off of what the older son, or what, what, the, father told, what, what the father told the older son, you know, all of that that I have is yours to ask. Mm-hmm. Like so, sometimes it might mean like God, show me what you want me to learn from this, and then just chew on it and and go back and read it again. Yeah, and until something does finally click, I think that's often overlooked. Like God invites us to ask Him for what we want, and yeah. so if you really want to learn something from one of these, there's absolutely nothing wrong with just saying, God, show me what you want me to learn here. Yeah. I think, you know, Bible reading plans are great. And especially if you're starting out, they're a great way to start out. I do think there's something to be said for sitting with one piece of yes. scripture and, uh, you know, revisiting it and meditating on it um, and trying to glean the the meaning for your life from it. So, Absolutely. And yeah. I think that's a good place to wrap up. So I think this was a great episode. Yeah, this was fun. And uh, leave us a review and we'll read it and we'll get you one of our awesome mugs and we'll see you next week for another episode of the after chat thanks for joining us for the after chat if you enjoyed this episode share it with others post about it on social media or leave a rating and review 
To be the first to hear our next episode, be sure to hit the subscribe button and get notifications for new content. You can also follow us on social media on Instagram at PCC Wired and Facebook at Passion Community Church. For additional resources and links, check out the description. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time on The After Chat.